0: and ladies welcome to the junior classics hi there i'm sir bradley hassey a teller of borrowed tales join me as i share stories of courage adventure and wonder but don't take my word for it you can find out for yourself on today's junior classic Hello there, Junior Scholars. My name is Sir Bradley Hasse, Guardian of the Written Word, and your guide through the Junior Classics. Every episode, we explore a classic story and the wisdom within in order to enrich the mind and spirit. Our mission is to inspire children and families with a love of good reading and a real and lasting interest in Western literature, history, and scholarship. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining us, and a very special thank you to my loyal listeners who tune in each and every episode. Last week's story was The Brave Little Taylor, and we learned why it is so important that when you make a promise, you mean it. A man's word should be able to be taken as the truth. Go back and give it a listen if you missed it. This week's story is Sleeping Beauty in the Wood. As you might have guessed, this is the story of Sleeping Beauty, although I had never heard it called Sleeping Beauty in the Wood before. The version we are reading was authored by Charles Perrault, who has become a regular on the Junior Classics. According to my reading, Perrault was the first to write the story as we know it today, but it was based on older folk tales that circulated as far back as 1330. That is a long time ago. I also discovered that Sleeping Beauty is a two-part story, and the story that we all know is only part one. Very interesting. I have not read part two yet, but I am quite curious. But before we get to the beautiful princess, the sleeping spell, and the handsome prince, lost and found words. Listen carefully to the meaning of these words and try and spot them during the story. Our first word is christening. A christening is a ceremony when a baby is baptized and named. Our story begins with a father and mother hosting a party after a christening ceremony to celebrate the occasion. Next, we have earthenware. These are dishes for eating and food made out of clay. The evil old fairy in the story is jealous because the other fairies were given dishes and utensils of gold to use. She was not expected, so she was hastily given dishes made of clay, because that's all that was left. In our next word is hasten, similar to hastily. This means to move quickly. In a sentence, you could say, when the children heard pizza was for dinner, they hastened to the kitchen table. I'm sure you understand that one. And then we have a page. A page is a boy who is training to become a knight. In the story, when you hear the pages were lurking in the corner, they mean the boys in training to be knights, not pages in a book. And then we have ancestral. This means coming from one's ancestors. What is an ancestor? Well, I'm glad you asked. An ancestor is any person whom you come from. Your mother and father are your ancestors, and their mother and father, and so on and so on. In the story, the princess is restored to her ancestral kingdom. This means she was brought back to the kingdom of her family. And lastly, we have spinning and spindle. Spinning is the process of turning fibers into yarn, and this is done using a tool called a spindle. A spindle is a straight spike that is made of wood. The pointy end of the spindle is what pricks the princess in the story. Ask your parents to look at a picture or video of spinning And you'll get a better idea of what I'm talking about. And now, on to the show! I want you to imagine there is a family who just had a new baby. To celebrate their new child, they are hosting a great party and are inviting all their friends and people who are important to them. At one time, you knew this family and would probably have been invited. However, You have not lived near that family for a long time, so long that the family doesn't even know where you live anymore, so they did not send you an invitation. Somehow, you find out about the grand party and realize that you were not invited. How would that make you feel? I think a normal person would understand the situation. How was the family supposed to actually invite you? They don't even know where you live. Well, in today's story, that is exactly what happens. The person who was not invited was an old fairy who no one had seen in 50 years. They didn't even know if she was still alive. The old fairy felt forgotten, and she chose to feel jealous and angry, and then used her power to bring harm upon the most innocent person in the story, the newborn baby. THE SLEEPING BEAUTY IN THE WOOD by Charles Perrault There was once in a distant country a king and queen whose only sorrow was that they had no children. At last the queen gave birth to a little daughter and the king showed his joy by giving a christening feast so grand that the like of it was never known. He asked all the fairies in the land there were seven found in the kingdom to stand godmothers to the little princess hoping that each might bestow on her some good gift. After the christening, all the guests returned to the palace, where there was placed before each fairy godmother a magnificent covered dish and a knife, fork, and spoon of pure gold, set with precious stones. But as they were all sitting down at the table, there entered an old fairy who had not been invited, because it was more than fifty years since she had gone out of a certain tower and she was thought to be dead or enchanted. The king ordered a cover to be placed for her, but it was of common earthenware, for he had ordered from his jeweler only seven gold dishes for the seven fairies aforesaid. The old fairy thought herself neglected and muttered angry threats, which were overheard by one of the younger fairies who chanced to sit beside her. This good godmother, afraid of harm to the pretty baby, Hastened to hide herself behind the hangings in the hall. She did this because she wished to speak last and repair any evil the old fairy might intend. The fairies now offered their good wishes, which, unlike most wishes, were sure to come true. The first wished that the little princess should grow up the fairest woman in the world. The second, that she should have wit like an angel. The third, that she should be perfectly graceful. The fourth, that she should sing like a nightingale. The fifth, that she should dance perfectly well. The sixth, that she should play all kinds of music perfectly. Then the old fairy's turn came. Shaking her head spitefully, she uttered the wish that when the baby grew up into a young lady and learned to spin, she might prick her finger with a spindle and die of the wound. This terrible prophecy made all the company tremble, and everyone fell to crying, upon which the wise young fairy appeared from behind the curtains and said, Assure yourselves, O king and queen, the princess shall not die. I have no power to undo what my elder has done. The princess must pierce her finger with a spindle and she shall then sink, not into the sleep of death, but into a sleep that will last a hundred years. After that time is ended, the son of a king shall come and awake her. Then all the fairies vanished. The king, in the hope of avoiding his daughter's doom, issued an edict forbidding all persons to spin, and even to have spinning wheels in their houses on pain of instant death but it was in vain. One day, when she was just fifteen years of age, the king and queen left their daughter alone in one of the castles, where, wandering about at her will, she came to a little room in the top of a tower, and there found a very old woman, who had not heard of the king's edict, busy with her spinning wheel. What are you doing, good old woman? I'm spinning, my pretty child. Ah, how pretty! Let me try if I can spin also. She had no sooner taken up the spindle than being hasty and unhandy, she pierced her finger with the point. Though it was so small a wound, she fainted away at once and dropped on the floor. The poor old woman called for help. Shortly came the ladies-in-waiting, who tried every means to restore their young mistress, but all in vain. She lay beautiful as an angel the color still lingering in her lips and cheeks. Her fair bosom softly stirred with her breath. Only her eyes were fast closed. When the king her father and the queen her mother beheld her thus, they knew that all had happened as the cruel fairy meant, and that their daughter would sleep for one hundred years. They sent away all the physicians and attendants, and themselves sorrowing laid her upon a bed in the finest apartment in the palace. There she slept and looked like a sleeping angel still. When this misfortune happened, the kindly young fairy, who had saved the princess by changing her sleep of death into the sleep of a hundred years, was twelve thousand leagues away, in the kingdom of Mataquin. But being informed of everything by a little dwarf who wore seven-league boots, she arrived speedily in a chariot of fire drawn by dragons. The king handed her out of the chariot, and she approved of all he had done. Then being a fairy of great common sense and foresight, she thought that the princess, awakening after a hundred years in this old castle, might not know what to do with herself if she found herself alone. Accordingly, she touched with her magic wand everybody and everything in the palace, except the king and queen, governesses, ladies of honor, waiting maids, gentlemen ushers, cooks, kitchen girls, pages, footmen, even the horses that were in the stables and the grooms that attended them. She touched each and all, nay, the dogs too, in the outer court, and the little fat lapdog Mopsy, who had laid himself down beside his mistress on her splendid bed, were also touched, and they, like all the rest, fell fast asleep in a moment. The very spits that were before the kitchen fire fell asleep, and the fire itself, and everything became as still as if it were the middle of the night, or as if the palace were a palace of the dead. The king and queen, having kissed their daughter, went out of the castle, giving orders that it was to be approached no more. The command was unnecessary, for in one quarter of an hour there sprang up around it a wood so thick and thorny that neither beasts nor men could attempt to penetrate there. Above this dense mass of forest can only be seen the top of a high tower where the lovely princess slept. When a hundred years were gone, the king had died, and his throne had passed to another royal family. The reigning king's son, being one day out hunting, was stopped in the chase by this great wood, inquired what wood it was, and what were those towers which he saw appearing out of the midst of it? Everyone answered as he had heard. Some said it was an old castle haunted by spirits. Others said it was the abode of witches and enchanters. The most common story was that an ogre lived there, a giant with long teeth and claws, who carried away naughty little boys and girls and ate them up. The prince did not know what to think. At length, an old peasant was found who remembered having heard his grandfather say to his father that in this tower was a princess, beautiful as the day, who was doomed to sleep there for one hundred years, until awakened by a king's son, who was to marry her. At this, the young prince, who had the spirit of a hero, determined to find out the truth for himself. Spurred on by love and honor, he leaped from his horse and began to force his way through the thick wood. To his amazement, the stiff branches all gave way, and the ugly thorns drew back of their own accord, and the brambles buried themselves in the earth to let him pass. This done, they closed behind him, allowing none to follow. Nevertheless, he pushed boldly on alone. The first thing he saw was enough to freeze him with fear. Bodies of men and horses lay extended on the ground, but the men had faces, not death-white, but red as roses, and beside them were glasses half-filled with wine, showing that they had gone to sleep drinking. Next he entered a large court paved with marble, where stood rows of guards presenting arms, but as still as if cut out of stone. Then he passed through many chambers where gentlemen and ladies, All in the dress of the past century slept at their ease, some standing, some sitting. The pages were lurking in corners, the ladies of honor were stooping over their embroidery frames or listening to the gentlemen of the court, but all were as silent and as quiet as statues. Their clothes, strange to say, were fresh and new as ever, and not a particle of dust or spiderweb had gathered over the furniture though it had not known a broom for a hundred years. Finally, the astonished prince came to an inner chamber, where was the fairest sight his eyes ever beheld. A young girl of wonderful beauty lay asleep on an embroidered bed, and she looked as if she had only just closed her eyes. Trembling, the prince approached and knelt beside her. Some say he kissed her, but as nobody saw it, and she never told, we cannot be quite sure of the fact. However, as the end of the enchantment had come, the princess waked at once, and looking at him with eyes of the tenderest regard, said sleepily, Is it you, my prince? I have waited for you very long. Charmed with these words, and still more by the tone in which they were uttered, the prince assured her that he loved her more than his life. For a long time did they sit talking, and yet had not said half enough. Their only interruption was the little dog Mopsy, who had awakened with his mistress, and now began to be jealous that the princess did not notice him as much as she was wont to. Meanwhile, all the attendants, whose enchantment was also broken, not being in love, were ready to die of hunger after their fast of a hundred years. A lady of honor ventured to say that dinner was served, whereupon the prince handed his beloved princess at once to the great hall. She did not wait to dress for dinner, being already perfectly and magnificently attired, though in a fashion somewhat out of date. However, her lover had the politeness not to notice this, nor to remind her that she was dressed exactly like his grandmother, whose portrait still hung on the palace walls. During dinner, a concert by the attendant musicians took place, and considering that they had not touched their instruments for a century, they played the old tunes extremely well. They ended with a wedding march, for that very evening the prince and princess were married. After a few days, they went together out of the castle and enchanted wood, both of which immediately vanished and were never more beheld by mortal eyes. The princess was restored to her ancestral kingdom and after a few years, the prince and she became king and queen and ruled long and happily. When people think about Sleeping Beauty, they usually remember the scene when the prince kisses the princess and wakes her up. And for good reason. This is the moment when true love defeats the evil curse. But why was that scene necessary? And what makes this story so interesting to begin with? It started because of the ultimate party pooper. No, that is not someone who poops at parties. I will now allow time for all my junior scholars to laugh. Okay. A party pooper is someone who ruins the fun of everyone else at a party. The old fairy who everyone forgot, because she disappeared for 50 years, became jealous because she was not invited. Jealousy is when you feel bitter and angry, because you think, key phrase, you think that you are being treated unfairly. So the evil witch acted out in anger and cursed the baby, and that was almost the end of the story. But a good-hearted fairy overheard the witch's threats, and she quickly and rightly stepped in to defend and protect the baby as best she could. The good deed offered by the good fairy is what ultimately protected the baby and allowed the prince to rescue her 100 years later. There are two lessons I wish to leave you with. One, avoid jealousy at all cost. I think you can best do this by first trying to understand the situation and secondly realize you are not going to get everything in life you want. That's just how it is. And remember to be happy for the good things that happen to others. The second lesson is this. Bad things will happen to you in life, but there are usually good people who will step in to help you, just like the good fairy. Your parents and other family, a teacher, your friends. But sadly, they can let you down too. But there is someone who is always fighting for you, who will only love you, care for you, and wants what's best for you, and has already defeated any bad character who would wish to harm you. This is Jesus Christ. He fought and defeated the ultimate evil fairy once and for all. You can always rely on him for protection. Until next time, junior scholars, be brave, be loyal, and speak the truth. Now for you parents out there, I want you to understand why we are doing this, what we are trying to achieve, and how you can help us. This is a rescue operation to preserve the classics in the wisdom within before it is lost forever. Our goal is to inspire children with a love of good reading by safeguarding and breathing new life into the greatest stories in history and empower you, the parents, with a resource you can trust to enrich your child's mind and spirit. We don't want these stories in the wisdom within to be forgotten so our children don't have to learn these lessons on their own. The most important thing you can do for us is to spread the message and tell others about these stories and what we are doing. If you want to donate, we would love that as well. My promise is that 100% of donations will go to building the impact and quality of the Junior Classics. If you have feedback and thoughts on how we can do things better, please send an email to thejuniorclassics at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to the Junior Classics! Thank you.